hope, love, joy. Today, peace. Peace. How many of you remember this? Well, this isn't what we're talking about. (laughs) We could talk about victory, I guess. That was a sign for victory, too. But, uh, you know, I... uh, I shared that my my brother uh, texted me on my birthday and uh, said, welcome to the 70s. And as I uh, said earlier, uh, the the 70s wasn't the best of my years uh, and probably uh, would not survive another decade of them. So I hope in age, this uh, this, uh, decade of 70s is better than the last decade of 70s that I lived through. Does that make sense? You know, so, uh, you know, back in those days, uh, uh, a joint was something you still got arthritis in, and uh, before those days, and uh, uh, a bowl was something you ate cereal in, and I could go on and on with that, uh, but uh, not good years. Praise God he delivered me from that. Amen. Amen. Praise God. At our service tonight, we'll be illuminating the center candle, which is obviously the focal point of of the Advent wreath and uh, so uh, presentation. And so we invite you all to be here at 10 p.m. tonight for a time, once again, of celebrating the season of Advent and its fulfillment. And we'll be uh, sharing communion together and have a candlelight dismissal. So uh, 10 o'clock tonight, please come. Uh, kids are more than welcome to wear your PJs. Uh, Adam, I just as soon you wear. <laughs> it all comes together. When we look at the center candle, and we're, we're just about there, but let us recap just a little bit. Jesus is the fullness of our hope, week one. Jesus is the fullness of our love, week two. Jesus is the fullness of our joy. Week three, today Jesus is the fullness of our peace. And then tonight, of course, the Christ candle itself. So this Christmas, will you celebrate the presents or just exchange and unwrap presents? Which will it be? Let's stand at the reading of God's word. In him... And him alone is hope, love, joy, and peace. Reading first of all from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And from John's gospel, let's read the words of our Savior. We've just read the words of his arrival. Now we're going to read some of the words of his soon departure. In his first appearing, John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing his followers for that departure. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, 
but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Father, we pray your blessing on your word, your word that you have given to us as the means of salvation, as the means of sanctification, and our future growth in the grace and knowledge of who you are. We ask that you would be honored through our time remaining together and use your word, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit to change our lives. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Shalom. How many people have heard that word? Shalom. It's peace, but it has so much more meaning than our word when we just say peace. It's a precious word to the Jewish people. And as I said, it means so much more because it's more than just the, <clears throat> excuse me, the absence of war or conflict. Shalom really means wholeness, completeness, health, security, even prosperity in the best sense. When you're enjoying God's peace, there is joy and contentment. But God's peace is not like the peace the world offers. You, we, we, we must just kind of hang on to this thought. Remember Christ in his presentation and, and, and what he said, my peace, and it's not like the world. Just remember that. My peace is not like the world peace. The world bases his peace on its resources, while God's peace depends on a relationship. Resources versus relationship. To be right with God means to enjoy the peace of God. The world depends on personal ability, but the Christian depends on spiritual adequacy of Christ. In the world, peace is something you hope for or work for, but to the Christian, peace is God's gift to us who believe and received by faith. Unsafe people may enjoy peace when there is no trouble, but what happens when trouble comes? What happens when you're stupid and you pray, spray your crops with the wrong chemical? I, I'll leave it alone, Stan. I, because none of us have ever made a mistake like that. Oh, come on. Don't let that one go over your heads. Maybe not like that, but I've made plenty that are just as, yeah. Christians enjoy peace in spite of trials because of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, who is it? What kind of a person, what kind of a man, what kind of a power can extend and transfer that kind of peace. It has to be somebody pretty important, pretty powerful, pretty complete. So point number one, let's just answer the question. Who has the authority or by what authority 
does Jesus offer peace? What gives this Jesus, the Christ, what gives him the authority to grant that kind of peace to us? Well, first of all, Jesus is Lord. Now, we could very simply end point one right there, couldn't we? Jesus is Lord. His authority is in himself. Listen, as Jesus settles this issue of authority, it's one passage that I have chosen out of others. Matthew chapter 9. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Uh-oh. Did you hear what he just said? And behold, somebody else did too. Listen. And behold, some of the scribes <laughs> said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing the thought, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bread, and go home. And he rose and went home. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, folks. That's ultimate. There is no one else, no man anywhere at any time that has the authority to forgive you of your sins. Only the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, we may ask each other for forgiveness, and many times we should, and quite often we've ignored that, and we need to get right with it. So we can ask for forgiveness from one another, but I'm telling you, guys, don't, don't, don't try to forgive your own sins. <laughs> I mean, you need to forgive yourself maybe in those sins, but after Christ has forgiven you only. Only Jesus can forgive sins, and only the born again and forgiven can experience his peace. You know why? He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. And again, as we did just briefly with shalom, I want us to look at this word just briefly from the original language, prince of peace, sar shalom. Sar shalom. Say that out loud. Great words. Great title. Sar is the word for prince. So shalom, peace. This word literally means head person. Well, let's look at the word sar. It, it's more than just the son of a king, a prince. It's more than that. It's the, it's the governor. It's the man in charge. It's the go-to guy. The Romans had a very similar word that they used the same root from. He was called Caesar. Caesar. And Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, Nero Caesar, that was the head guy. The Russians called their leader a czar. So you see how the, the overlap in this language and how it ties into somebody of great authority, of great power. So shalom is the word for peace in the Hebrew language. Again, rich, powerful concept, well-being, happiness, peace. Jesus is the governor or the one in charge of giving that to us. That's his authority. He is star shalom, according to the prophet in which he came to fulfill. And I want you to fully understand today, because if you embrace this, 
you will see and experience the Messiah differently for the rest of your life. It's his peace to give because in him is peace. I want to remind you that there's going to be someday, one day, and maybe one day very soon, when someone called the Antichrist is going to rise to power and exert a worldly authority, and you know what he's going to promise? Peace. But he doesn't have the authority to give it. He doesn't have the power to implement it. It will be a false peace. It will be a worldly, cheap facade of an agreement, and it will not last. It will not last. But the one who is coming and will come to take care of the old uh, Antichrist will set things right because he's going to establish a kingdom of peace. Whatever Jesus gives, he possesses within himself. Does that make sense? Whatever he gives, he possesses within himself. He doesn't draw from outside resources. He doesn't tap into another power or another authority. Within himself, he has the authority to extend and implement peace in our lives. He is sufficient within himself to meet all of our needs. So by the authority of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, we can have peace in his name through salvation. Second preaching point, the assurance Jesus gives in offering his peace. In John 14, 27a, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. If we look at the entire 14th chapter of John's gospel, we're going to find something amazing. The entire Godhead is working in this chapter. In John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. There we go. There's the Godhead right there. Jesus speaking, ask the Father, and who's coming? The Holy Spirit. A helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, there it is, there's the triune, you see how powerful this text is? The triune God is working together in this entire passage to make sure that everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ will have everything they need for a life of peace, joy, wholeness, uh, comfort, and eternal life. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And Jesus had already established the only way to salvation earlier in the chapter when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, my friends who are here today, and maybe you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot have peace in the current state that you're in. You cannot experience true peace without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's impossible. Why? Because he is peace. In him is peace. Do not rest your eternal hope on a political promise. Amen? And there is no political party in the world today that's going to deliver this nation. You know who's going to do it? Jesus is going to do it one soul at a time. <laughs> One soul at a time. Get out and vote. 
and then pray like you never prayed before for Christ to come. The assurance he offers rests on accomplishing what the Father sent him to do, atonement, redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Christ has never failed and he will never disappoint you. I am here to tell you today, you can trust him. You can trust him. He is always sufficient, the rock and our anchor. He is our safe port. He will walk through us through the valleys. He will carry us through the storms. He will never abandon us or forsake us. If you are resting in Christ this morning, I promise by his authority and his assurance, you will get home just fine. And I'm not talking about a physical address. You will make it home if you have rested in Christ Jesus. Authority, assurance, point number three. This is a simple little point. I wrote it out. I said, there's really an advantage to accepting his peace. Does that make sense? How many of you have ever, ever compared uh, uh, deals that you were buying? You were going to buy something and you had two options before you. And you're examining what? The advantage. And sometimes, you know what? You spend a little more. Maybe just a little bit more because of more advantages in that are worth the extra money that you put in, right? So simple worldly illustration, but is there an advantage to Jesus' plan? It's very simple. It's very simple. All right, let's examine the two options. Option number one, what did he say? World peace. World peace. Option number two, his peace. All right, let's think about it. Are you done? Have you made your choice? Which one are you going to choose? And it's not going to cost you a dime. He already paid for it. Guys, get it. Get it. This is not an economics class. This is a spiritual awakening class. We can have his peace because he already paid the price for our souls. Amen. That's a deal. Why would anybody pass up a deal like that? And only Christ can offer it. Only Christ can offer it. Why? Because it's his peace. It's peace within himself. You know, Jesus tells us that, uh, or shows us even, and the scripture te teaches us that the, the peace that comes from the world is fragile, fake, temporary at best, Christ is unshakable, unbreakable, and unending. There's your, there's your deal, the salvation of your souls. God's fascinating plan to secure this, his son born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And he died outside the gates of Jerusalem, the city of peace, Jerusalem. Isn't it amazing? Jesus stopped for just a moment on the Mount of Olives as he neared the city, getting ready to enter it for the last time. And when he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. He's looking at Jerusalem, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. And what he's saying, you rejected me. You rejected me. 
But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you, you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus said, you rejected me, you rejected peace. And the future doesn't look real good right now. Jerusalem has been completely destroyed completely destroyed, I'm talking leveled at least twice. It has been besieged 23 times. It has been captured and recaptured 44 times and attacked by foreign invaders at least 52 times. And she's still standing. It is the most conflicted piece of real estate in world history. Today, once again, Jerusalem remains embattled an embattled city, surrounded by nations who seek to destroy her. Yet when Christ returns, that is the exact place and point on earth he's going to stand. Amen? He will stand on the Mount of Olives, the place where he was betrayed, and he will establish a thousand years of peace in the millennial reign before closing out the old order and establishing the new heaven and the new earth. Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. You know why Jerusalem will endure? Because it's a heavenly city. There's a heavenly Jerusalem and it belongs to God. Jerusalem is the only place on earth that's going to remain forever. Everything else is going to be revamped. Jerusalem's going to be there. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? The peace of Christ, just like the joy of Christ, is not measured or altered by external circumstances. It is not the absence of conflict, storms, and suffering, but it is sufficient. It is a sufficient and eternal peace. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses, or another word, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What if that was our attitude today in the church? Huh? You want me to describe that again? What if we were so focused on the risen Christ that everything we thought about was pure and lovely and commendable. It was excellent, worthy of praise. What if our mind dwelled on those instead of, Stan, quit watching the bad news. I got to pick on you this morning. But I, I got to share, I thought the same thing as Stan shared his devotional. I, I, I really liked it. I thought it was a great devotion. But I thought the same thing. Why do I, why do I read so much news? I, I've, I need to pray for deliverance. <laughs> What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul said, practice these things. And guess what he promised? And the God of peace will be with you. So we have a 
accessible peace that transcends our understanding and it can be ours. That peace can be ours. Remember, subnote, world conflict is not going to go away before Christ comes again. It's going to increase. It's going to increase. Point number four, very quickly. He has the authority. He's given us the assurance. He's presented to us the advantage. And now we're going to talk about application. The provision made for the application of his peace. And this is a passage I wanted us all to share in. And if I could have that passage on the screen, please. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And you can just follow along as I read. This is the application of peace. This is why he has the authority, the assurance, and the, and the, and the advantageous plan. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, before I continue on with my reading, I want us all to say that together. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I shall read on. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the gospel, my friends. That is the gospel, God's word to a lost, dark and dying world. Since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him through the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Listen, peace with God had to be established before we could have the peace of God. Romans 5 tells us how that happened. The wall of separation, according to Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he said Christ has destroyed the wall of separation, number one, between Jew and Gentile, and number two, between all of us and him. He has torn down the wall of separation. We now have access to a holy and righteous God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Sin, that wall of separation has been destroyed. We can have peace with God and we can have the peace of God because we've been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Finally, in summary, there have been countless peace treaties signed 
over the centuries, agreements signed by countless warring nations, and yet war still continues. Our peace agreement that we have was only signed by one, and it was signed by the offended party. Do we understand these spiritual truths? We don't want to take, we don't want to come here or leave here today thinking that we contributed in any way to the peace that we have with God our Father. Jesus established that. Our peace agreement was signed by Christ and it was signed in his blood. We didn't and cannot make peace with God. We must simply accept, receive that peace that Christ has made on our behalf. How many have ever heard that, that old saying, well, you better make peace with your maker? It's impossible. We can't make peace with our maker because peace has already been made. But how do we get it? Please, please, we, we got it. We got to answer all together because if we don't get this, we've, we, we've missed the whole thing. Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So don't go out and try to make peace with God when peace has already been made. Repent and accept the forgiveness that only Christ offers. Remember, he has the authority to do what? Forgive sins. Come on. That's ultimate authority. He is the Sar Shalom. He can forgive sins. He can make peace. Jesus is our peace because he was the only one who could make peace between us and the Father. The doctrines of grace alone and faith alone are so critical. If you're trying to get saved, stay saved, or make your own peace with God through your own goodness, kindness, and service, you will never have true peace because it will rest on your works, and there is no peace in our works. It's wood, hay, and stubble, and it's all going to burn up in the end. Today, we must accept the peace. We cannot establish peace by our own merit or good standing. We need the merit and good standing of another. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Today, come and be reconciled to God through the blood of his Son. Today, come and find peace with God through a relationship with the Prince of Peace. Today, come and be saved by the grace of God through faith and His Son. And see if Christmas doesn't change just a, just a whole bunch. You'll be way more excited about the presence, S-E-N-C-E, than the presence, S-E-N-T-S. Amen. I do pray this morning, and I, I give as part of the invitation this little doxology, very brief. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. May the Lord be with you all. Father, we thank you for the peace that you have established. And Father, remind us, oh, please, keep close to our hearts. Keep close to our memory. Don't let us ever get, forget. Don't let the memory fade of what that peace cost you. Not us. But it cost you 
to establish peace with us, you gave your only son to suffer and to die. A sinner's death, the righteous one of God, the holy one of God, the Messiah had to die so that sinners like us could live, could live. Thank you for the peace that comes with that salvation. Thank you for the hope and the love and the joy and all the things that we've talked about over the last month. Thank you for bringing it all together in a little cave in the hills of a village called Bethlehem. Thank you for the birth of your Christ, the birth of your son, the Christ. And Father, thank you for the gift that he brought. Thank you for his death, his burial, and his glorious, magnificent resurrection. And thank you that he's coming again to make all things right. And if there be one here this morning, Father, that's not resting in that peace, and it's as simple as this, everybody here needs to be able to say, I know that I know that I know that everything's going to be all right because Jesus is my peace. It's going to be all right. No matter how terrible the storms or the tragedies of life, it's going to be all right. 